Alright, we are back after a very long time. Nate, I don't know about you, but it feels it feels real good to be to be back at the pod again. It was forever. It felt it felt like years. I don't know how maybe it's because we loved doing it so much and it just killed us that we had to end it so early just because how our lives got so busy. But I am super, super excited to be back and we're gonna definitely keep this going, keep uh be more consistent because we definitely uh, got together and talked about how we needed to do this to improve it and I believe we worked it out and we're going to be more consistent. Yes, absolutely. We are very excited. A lot has gone down uh, for Go For It, uh, for the pod, despite not doing any episodes in, in the last couple months. We've actually continued to grow pretty steadily on uh, social media, on Twitter. Where I believe we are well over a hundred followers now. Uh, we've really, Nate. I feel like we've really captured what we're what, what our goal was with Twitter, and that was to engage, you know, in the in this great community of Colts fans and and engage in a lot of discussions and and meet a lot of like-minded people uh, that are passionate about Indianapolis Colts football. And I think we've definitely done that. So for all of you who have followed us on Twitter and have made your way over to our pod through there or through any other means. We're so happy to have you. Uh, thank you for being patient with us. A lot of things went down towards the end of the year with our work schedules and personal lives and things got crazy. And, but we are going to be a more of a laid back routine. We're going to, at least during the off season, especially we're going to keep it to probably about two, two episodes a month, uh, I believe is what we agreed upon for the time being. And, you know, make the episodes a little shorter with just a couple key topics instead of all of the filler in between. So, <laughs> with you know, with all that being said, I just want to say one more time, Nate. I'm happy that we hopped back in here, and I'm really excited to get this back up and running. And we have a lot to talk about. A lot has gone down. A lot is currently going down in, within yeah. the Indianapolis Colts stratosphere. The off season has already gotten off to a great start, and it's really not even technically the off season yet. It is not. We still got like. Um, I believe until like mid March, until the officially the second or uh, the season off season has officially begun, and I mean, there's been so much news about the Indianapolis Colts. It's very hard for us Indianapolis Colts fans to be grasping all of it because it's just every day, like every hour, every minute, like it just a second. It felt like there were so many rumors, so many supposedly facts, supposedly, hey, this is what's going on. You're just, you're just, there's just so much going on right now. You just can't fully grasp what's going on. But Elijah, I forgot to te- say this to you. It is great to have you back too, my brother. Well, it's it's good to be back, man. I know this is uh, is something that we embarked upon last year about this time, uh, really, and. We- it's been a long. It's been a journey. We've both learned a lot. And I think we both, you know, had a lot of learning experiences with this process. But we had initially decided to completely stop this, and I'm glad that we didn't. I really am because it's something that I know we both enjoy doing, despite our our busy and hectic lives. So I do appreciate that, and uh, yep. wouldn't want to do it with anybody else, my brother. Hey, that makes my heart all warm and fuzzy. <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> all right, so before we get too mushy uh, on this pod here today, uh, we have a lot to talk about. We got uh, the Super Bowl behind us, uh, and man, what a Super Bowl it was. We're going to be jumping into that, and we're going to be spending the majority of this pod talking about the Indianapolis Colts quarterback situation because that started the moment Philip Rivers retired and God, uh, so. the moment that 
Matthew Stafford, all that news hit. We're, we're going to go over all of that. But before we get into the meat of this episode, Nate, uh, I, I believe it, everybody would like to hear our takes, our reactions on the Super Bowl. Man, Tom Brady is defying time. Super Bowl number seven. Super Bowl number seven, 10 appearances with the Patriots. He was sub- someone that we all hated as Colts fans. And even before he left um, the Patriots, you knew you had to start just taking it all in and know that you're witnessing history because there has been no other person besides Tom Brady that has won uh, seven, seven or more Super Bowls. And if I'm not mistaken, he has more than any of the 32 NFL teams then that's just amazing. Like, I believe it's six for Pittsburgh, six for the Patriots, and then there's five, four, three, two, one for other teams, some that have zero appearances. But you got Tom Brady as an individual going to 10 Super Bowls and winning seven of that 10. That's just really remarkable. Yeah, I mean, when you take a step back and you just look at how phenomenal a feat that really is, and I would contend that there is no other sport in the world that is harder to go and win a single championship in, much less seven. What Tom Brady has managed to do and the stardom that he has managed to eclipse is just literally beyond fathomable. No one ever thought that there'd be a single quarterback win seven Super Bowls. Not even the greats of you know Joe Montana or Terry Bradshaw or other great quarterbacks like that. Uh, you know Troy Aikman, who's a part of that great uh, '90s Cowboys unit. No, you know nobody ever expected that seven Super Bowls would ever be eclipsed. And when he was when he was in New England, it was easy to dislike him. Especially as Colts fans, very I think easy. that's pretty. Yeah, like Nate has already touched on, it is very easy to dislike Tom Brady. Um, I, but I've had I've had a little bit of a change of heart. I think I've come to know more that I dislike the Patriots and Bill Belichick more than more so than Tom Brady at this point. Mainly because you know Brady isn't responsible for the Colts getting knocked out of the playoffs every year anymore. But you know, just the path that Brady has had since you know, his college days through to the NFL, one of the most, if not the most unlikely of success stories to ever hit the NFL. Sixth round draft pick, wasn't even a sure bet. Tom Brady was an afterthought if he was even thought at all. Had an abysmal combine performance and came in as as much of an afterthought as, as one could be in the NFL. And, you know, of course we know the rest is history. But congratulations to Tom Brady. Uh, and, you know, also, once a Colt, always a Colt, Bruce Arians, Joe Haig, two big names that spent a significant amount of time with the Indianapolis Colts. Um, I have so much respect for Bruce Arians. And even though I was pulling for the Chiefs and I really predicted the Chiefs were going to win this game, as I believe a lot of people did, I can't help but be happy for Bruce Arians. The the coaching journey that he has taken to get to this point now and finally get that first Super Bowl as a head coach that's unbelievable. It's astounding. I believe he is the oldest coach to ever win a Super Bowl. Yeah, congrats to A.B., congrats to Joe Haig. Um, Clyde Richardson, uh, Richardson, if you don't remember him, he was the Colts uh, offensive coordinator for a period of time and also quarterback's coach. And then also you had A.Q. Shipley, who was the backup center for the Buccaneers. And then if you don't remember, 
they still have Tom Moore on their staff. And Tom Moore was the offensive coordinator during Peyton Manning's times. So eat that, man. He, like, there was like at least seven to ten Colts, uh, former Colts on that team. And uh, they all just ended up getting a Super Bowl ring with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I thought this was going to be a close game. Everybody thought it was going to be a close game. Everybody thought it was going to be back and forth up in the high 30s, and we didn't get any of that. The Buccaneers defense just kicked the snot out of um, the Chiefs. Uh, Pat- Patrick Mahomes didn't have any time whatsoever to even throw the ball, and when he had to make time, his receiver when he would throw it to his receivers, they would not catch it. So that didn't help at all. I mean, it wasn't raining. They have literally no excuse. And they know that Patrick Mahomes has to run around and they got to run around as well and catch the ball. It's not like it's the first time they've ever had to do it this season. So everybody thought the reason why it was going to be so close and so high scoring was because of Patrick Mahomes. They knew that Chiefs defense was doing pretty good in the playoffs, but they knew that they couldn't completely stop the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense. They have explosiveness. You know, you got Antonio Brown, who only had maybe at least two catches. You have Mike Evans, who's a big, tall guy, can also still run. You got Chris Godwin. I mean, they have so many weapons. Gronk, I mean, all year Gronk has been quiet. But all of a sudden, hey, if, if the game is titled Super Bowl, for some reason, Gronk has the habit to show up, and he absolutely did for two touchdowns. Again, congrats, Tampa Bay. I was rooting for you just because of A.B., but other than that, you know, kudos. Well, and you know, Gronk, you, you mentioned Gronk, and I wanted to touch on him for just a moment. Of course, obviously, I do not know Gronkowski personally, but it's no secret to anyone that he is a he's a party guy and i definitely believe he likes the attention and there's no <laughs> there's no bigger stage than the super bowl to show up and to show off and that's exactly what gronk did uh, man you know he didn't have like eye popping numbers on the stat line as far as like receiving yards go but he had quite a few receptions and those two touchdown catches uh, were you know the importance of those two catches cannot be stated up and he just i mean he just beat that defensive back on that second touchdown that he had, um, yeah. I believe it was in the third quarter. Um, he just flat beat that guy. He like Gronk was out here. This big guy's out here running routes and just burning guys in the secondary of the Chiefs defense. Uh, but you know, and I think we all kind of knew, and we had this anticipation going in that the Chiefs' offensive line was going to the the fact that they were missing their starting left tackle was going to be an issue. But I don't think anybody expected the sheer domination that that front four for the Buccaneers had that entire game. Nate, I can maybe think of just a handful of snaps in that entire game where Patrick Mahomes was not being chased into the deep backfield. Like, he was running for his life on every play. Uh, and he was making plays. It, it doesn't show up on the stat line. And I, I was perusing uh, Twitter right after the game, uh, the day like the day after the game, and people were saying how this game proves that Patrick Mahomes is overrated and that he's not all he's cracked up to be. And that's the problem with fandom and with you know fanatics. That's you know fan is short for fanatic, and that's exactly mm-hmm. what we are for the most part as fans of the game, fans of our favorite teams. We are fanatic, and when we're fanatic, we tend to say things impulsively that aren't necessarily true. Patrick Mahomes was still out there. If you go back and you actually watch what he was doing, despite being chased and harassed on every play, 
I was honestly starting to get concerned for his health. He's already battling that toe injury, and I was starting to get a little concerned that if you keep, you know, if Patrick Mahomes keeps taking this kind of a beating, he could get hurt real bad. But he was getting yeah. away somehow. He was escaping. He was getting throws off. At one point, Nate, I'm sure you saw the picture of that of this throw but at one point Mahomes gets tripped up and as he's going to the ground he's airborne his body is practically parallel with the ground and he launches a ball towards the end zone i believe it was it was one of those catch uh, one of those drops uh, that you were talking about he somehow got that ball off got it to the end zone from probably about 40 yards out or so and the ball, you know, the ball is dropped, and that's the end of the play. And and so yeah. the Chiefs are going to the back to the sideline. The Chiefs' offense going back to the sideline. But Patrick Mahomes was still doing what Patrick Mahomes does. But but the Buccaneers' defense was just simply too much, simply too much. And if I had to pick just, my my favorite performance of the game, as much as I love Gronk, as much as I loved what Brady did and his consistency, his three touchdown passes, I got to give the credit to the defensive line uh, for doing what they did to Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, just switch the roles. Like, what if Tom Brady was on the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes is on the Buccaneers? I mean, Tom Brady wouldn't even come any, even close to making the plays that Patrick Mahomes is doing to try to keep his team alive. Let's let's just be honest, people. You can't just say, oh, that's why Patrick Mahomes is overrated. Uh-uh. He was the reason why the Chiefs were still in the game until very late into the third quarter. Because after he threw... Uh, or after they just scored a field goal, excuse me, after the uh, uh, coming back from the for the second half, the, I just knew that it's the defense is just too much. Like, yeah, you can have all the fast weapons you want, but if they don't know to still how to separate and you know catch the ball for Patrick Mahomes, then you you got no chance. I just I just wish it was a lot closer and. Uh, uh, just more of an exciting game uh, than what it was. But it was still great to see all that history happening right before our eyes. Yeah, and to see to see that and to see uh, what Tom Brady has managed to achieve, um, you know, and going to another team and winning a Super Bowl with them, very few yep. legendary quarterbacks have done that and succeeded. Only two. Uh, Only yeah, two. Brady and Manning. <laughs> you know, uh, yep. Joe Montana got close. Brett Favre got close. Um, but you know, close doesn't really matter a whole lot when it comes to, uh, the game of football or much of anything else for that matter. But as we conclude our, our, our closing statements on the Super Bowl, um, I was disappointed and I wish I like you, Nate, I wish it would have been a lot closer. I wanted to see Andy Reid get his second one. I wanted to see the chiefs win two in a row. Um, a part of me as a Colts fan, it's still hard to root for Brady. As much as I, I am happy, I am legitimately happy for Tom Brady. It's just so hard to root for him to win another Super Bowl. It's so crazy. But um, And one last thing I wanted to mention. Oh, a couple things. First of all, this game felt like watching a tiger and a lion fight each other in a locked cage. Like There was so much jawing going back and forth between these guys. My, fa- my favorite... Uh, I mean, it was the ongoing bickering between Tom Brady and Tyron Matthew that uh, that little exchange? As a matter of fact, there was some speculation that Brady said something to Matthew after or during those one of those exchanges um, that Matthew said he he wasn't comfortable repeating. Uh, it kind of insinuated that Brady threw out a, a term he shouldn't have. But then Michael Irvin, actually, who has access to the on-field audio for the game, 
um, he confirmed that Tom Brady did nothing of the sort, that he, he, of course, did not call Tyron Matthew any kind of name, especially racially charged or anything like that. Um, but, you know, Tyron Matthew wants to kind of seem like he's the victim, so to speak, it seems like. But he was he just oh, does yeah. nothing but but jaw and, and talk trash the entire game. Tom Brady wasn't having any more of it. He, as a matter of fact, he told Matthew that he's coming after him, and he definitely did on that final touchdown pass, which went to Antonio Brown in the end zone uh, towards the end of the game. Uh, <laughs> he ran up to Matthew and got in his face, basically reminding him that he was coming after him and that he you know, he planned to come after him. And it was just kind of hey, funny. It was kind of funny. Yeah, if you remember years ago, I forgot what year it was, but Ike Taylor ended up saying something in front of the media and before the game started between the Patriots and the Steelers, uh, Tom Brady and him were jawing at each other. And then even during the game, they were jawing at each other. And during that time, I was like, okay, you, you do not jaw at Tom Brady. If you jaw at Tom Brady, you're going to pay for it and your team's going to end up paying for it. And that's exactly what happened. If you're going to jaw at Tom Brady, you better back it up. Because if not, he's going to burn you. Yeah, and that's just how Tom Brady is wired, and that's why he's so good. That's why he's so clutch. These big moments, they fuel his performance. And getting you know getting him angry and riled up, that fuels his performance. I don't, I don't believe, especially at this point, that that takes away from what Brady's capable of doing. So congratulations one more time to Bruce Arians and the Buccaneers. Uh, congrats to the Jaguars. They know how to draft him. They had three first-round picks in this game. So... Uh, Byron Leftwich, Leonard Fournette, and Blaine Gabbert. Uh, <laughs> hey, the Jags, they know how to draft them. <laughs> hey, I can't take credit for that. I saw that on Facebook, I think, or Twitter. That is actually really hilarious. I didn't put that together. That's funny. <laughs> so, you know, congratulations, props to the Jaguars. Moving on. Now, this is what I'm even more excited to talk about. As Colts fans, this is the nitty-gritty. Of course, before the Super Bowl even, you know, happened, a lot of news started to kick up about Matthew Stafford. He officially requested to be traded from the Detroit Lions after 12 seasons, and immediately everybody is looking at the Indianapolis Colts. What are the Colts going to do? Nate, I thought for sure that Chris Ballard and the Colts were going to come after Matthew Stafford. I thought there's no way in the world, there's nothing in the world that will stop them regardless of price that would stop them from getting Matthew Stafford in Indianapolis. <laughs> My problem was, Nate, I didn't expect that it would take two first-round picks, a third-round pick, and a franchise-caliber quarterback to get the job done. No wonder Chris Ballard didn't want to make a trade like that for a 12-year-old quarterback, for a 12-season long quarterback. 12-year-old? 12 football years old. 12 football years old. It didn't come out of my mouth correctly, but you knew what I meant, Nate. He's no, it's been playing. Okay. He's been it's in the league okay. for over a decade. He's got maybe four years at best left of good elite play. Chris Ballard, I mean, I feel like Chris Ballard would have been crazy to throw that kind of a price tag at Matthew Stafford. Yeah, we, for one, we didn't have a quarterback to throw back at him if we wanted, even if we wanted to do that. There's absolutely no way. And then you have all these speculations of, oh, we could get rid of uh, Darius Leonard. We could get rid of Quentin no, Nelson. No, no, no. I saw that and, too. 
And, the, and, the, and and for me seeing this, I'm like, are you kidding me? And these and the, and then the, and these are supposedly Colts fans. It's like, oh, this is worth it. No, it's not. No. Quentin Nelson is the heart of your O line. You have Darius Leonard, who is the heart of your defense. There is absolutely no way that you want to get rid of these players, especially when you have made the promise, and I quote, that we will pay our guys when it t- comes to time. And if we were to get rid of those two, you bet that by the time they come and play the Indianap- against the Indianapolis Colts, it, there's going to have some meaning in there, and I wouldn't even want to come in front of those guys when it came down to it. So I'm glad that Chris Ballard didn't get in that, that too involved in this bidding war, and he's even admitted that he will not get caught in a bidding war. It's like, I'll give you what I believe it, uh, this, this player's worth, and if you don't like it, then I'm out. And yeah. that's just up happening yeah and that's what's that's why chris ballard is so important to the indianapolis colts as an organization i saw another thing circulating around on twitter uh man colts colts fans fans in general are just so toxic at times and they're so absolute and they're so fanatical uh, about their takes but i saw somebody actually have the nerve to say on twitter uh while matthew stafford news was going on that if chris ballard fails to land matthew stafford he should be fired no, that that guy needs to get off of whatever he's drinking or smoking and uh, <laughs> back to reality, like well, seriously. Yeah, I mean, you need to take a step back, uh, you know, shed your fanatical suit, so to speak, and take a step back and, and look at the bigger picture here. Again, I said 12-year-old quarterback, but what I meant by that <laughs> was a quarterback who's been in the league 12 years um, to put hey, just that kind of a prize just, tag. Just get him a bag of Skittles. Maybe he'll come over. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, maybe, maybe I don't know. But that, maybe that's where the Colts went wrong. They forgot to <laughs> they forgot to include the candy as a part of the contract, as a part of the agreement. But but you know, um, but that's why that's why Chris Ballard is so important to the Colts organization because he's not going. Some a lot of guys would panic right now. The Colts don't have a clear option. At at quarterback, Jacob Eason and, and some other quarterback. I don't even remember his name at the moment. I'm not even doing my research very well. But they signed um, – they, they signed – who? Morgan. Is that who you're talking about? Is that is that his last name? Morgan. Morgan, yeah. They signed this, this other quarterback to like a future contract or something. It basically ties him down to where he's signed uh, to the Colts roster – uh, for the time being. But you have Jacob Eason and this other guy. And beyond that, I mean, Jacoby Brissett is a free agent. There's not there's not really anything confirming that he will come back to the Colts. The Colts love him. They do find value in Jacoby. But he's he's we've played this act two times now. There's not a single person that believes that Jacoby um, is going to carry the franchise forward. No no shade. I'm not throwing any shade towards Jacoby. But, but we all know that that's just that's not the answer. We've tried it twice, and that's just not the answer. It's uh, Jalen Morton. I apologize for messing up before. It's Jalen Morton. Morton. Okay, I knew I knew it started with an M, but I could not remember. Jalen Morton signed to a uh, to like a future contract uh, with the Colts. But yeah, so my point I'm trying to make is a lot of guys in Chris Ballard's position would would make a panic choice. Uh, the first guy that comes to my mind, <clears throat> Ryan Grigson. Does anybody remember that little tragedy that went on for about five or six years? 
Um, you, does anybody remember the 2015 season where he went on big spending on, on free agents such as Frank Gore and Andre Johnson, both of which were well out of their prime, trying to get us over the hump for a Super Bowl when he should have been focusing on an offensive line to protect Andrew Luck? Um, you know, you have guys like that that are managing teams around the league who would panic because the Colts currently don't have a sure answer at quarterback. But Chris Ballard is not going to throw away what he has helped build for the last three and a half, four years just to acquire a quarterback. Because what good is it if you're trading away half of your your core unit to acquire a franchise quarterback? You as as important as quarterbacks are, you have it's a football still a team game. And Chris Ballard has spent all this time built up all these draft picks, and he has done what he came into Indianapolis and said he would do, and that is build the Colts locker room through the draft. And yeah. that's why, you know, you as Colts fans, you need to be thankful that Chris Ballard wasn't willing to meet and beat what the Rams offered the Lions. That would have that would have set us back. As good as Matthew Stafford is, and as much as I believe he would have elevated the Colts offense, I don't believe we would have been in championship contention anymore, not if it meant we had to give away our core guys in order to get them. That's that's not how you build this organization. That's not how Chris Ballard has built them for the last four years, and that's not going to get you to a Super Bowl. So I personally applaud him for not for not going after Matthew Stafford so heavy, but that leads us into what's going on now. I mean, there, are, there have been many quarterbacks linked uh, to the Colts for the upcoming season. You have Derek Carr, who's been rumored to be on the trade block somewhat. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, you know, you have Dak Prescott in free agency, which he's probably going to get franchise tagged by Dallas again, or or better yet, get signed by them. Not to mention he would be extremely expensive. Um, you know, and then you have, there was a Darnold. quarterback. Yeah, Sam Darnold is a big one that has been linked to the Colts in a potential trade. Um, and there's been a slew of others. But the biggest one going on right now, as everybody knows, is Carson Wentz. Uh, we all know of the obvious connection between Wentz and uh, Frank Reich. There are also two other coaches. Um, what is his name? Mike Groh, who is a wide receivers coach, just came over to Indianapolis to be wide receivers coach. And you have Press Taylor, who is coming over to be an assistant, um, who has a very close friendship with Carson Wentz. So there's a lot of there there are a handful of coaches uh, on the Indianapolis staff that Carson Wentz is comfortable with that he thinks a lot of, but there are a lot of question marks here Nate and now we kind of find ourselves in a similar Matt Stafford situation. However, the trade market for Carson Wentz is the Eagles are finding out the hard way. The trade market is not as plentiful for Carson Wentz as it was for Matthew Stafford. Nevertheless, uh Howie Roseman, I believe is his name, and the Eagles they're asking for two first round picks to get Carson Wentz. Nate, do you think that's worth it? Heck no. I I don't mean to be that extremely blunt, but yeah, no, it is definitely not worth it because if you think about it, if we waste two, two first round picks on this guy just to get him over here. And if he doesn't work out, that was a waste of two first round picks. And mind you, uh, Chris Ballard does not like to give picks that much away, especially if he knows that, hey, it's like this player's good, but he ain't that good. And that's exactly what's going on with Carson Wentz right now. If you were talking about trading the guy after his 2017 season and him not getting hurt and then winning the Super Bowl and you're trying to trade him, that's a different story. 
But it, you're talking about after the Super Bowl when he did not um, did not play because he got hurt uh, the last uh, like couple of games before the uh, season ended, and it was Nick Foles that won the Super Bowl, not him. So since that happened, and ever since he's been kind of just above average, if that makes sense. He's done enough for the Eagles in 2019 season, and he couldn't do anything in 2020. I mean, you could blame his receivers. You could blame his offensive line, whatever, whatever. Point is, since Frank Reich left, he has not been the same. So if he can be, if we were to give the two first-round picks, and he ended up being the... Uh, Carson Wentz of 2017-2018, then that's a complete steal because you got a guy for at least seven to eight more years. You don't have to waste any more uh, picks on a quarterback until the about the end of those years, and you could just focus on the rest of the team. But there's obviously no guarantee that Frank Reich would be able to fix whatever needs to be fixed from Carson Wentz. I mean, Elijah, me and you, when we were talking about Philip Rivers, I was against having Philip Rivers for a bit. I was saying he's too old. He's shown that he can't do this. He can't do that anymore. It's like, why are we wasting money on a quarterback that can't even run, uh, move one step without hurting himself? Or he can't even get out of the way of alignment. You know, he runs in place. There's this guy can't move at all. Like, why are we wasting 25 million on this guy? But, he has proven us wrong that he can take that player that had that bad year, you know, last year. I can improve that guy and he can play great for us, which Philip Rivers, for how old he is and for what he did, he did absolutely phenomenal yeah. when he came to the Indianapolis Colts and working with Frank Reich. Then, okay, let's see Carson's, Carson Wentz do that. Like, if that works out for us, great. If not, then that would definitely hurt us in the long run for sure. Yeah, well, and the interesting thing is the Colts are extremely interested in Carson Wentz right now. If, if oh, yeah, the, they've if been the reports, fighting back and forth for a while. Oh, yeah. yeah. If, the, if the reports that have been coming through are true, which I really believe they are, they have come from extremely reliable sources, like NFL Network sources. Like, this isn't just some off-the-grid freelance blogger talking about this stuff. You know, these reports are coming from legitimate, reliable, credible sources and if these sources are true, which, again, I believe they are, then the Colts are extremely interested. And I understand the appeal. And I think this is, if if the Colts play it right, which I believe they will, This Carson Wentz is their quarterback to lose right now. because Just because of all the connections to Wentz. And I understand the appeal. I mean, before this past season, which was atrocious, it's amongst some of the worst regressive seasons I think we've ever seen out of a once-touted franchise quarterback leader uh this has to be one of the worst regressions i think i've ever seen at least in my lifetime um but leading up to that even in 2019 his numbers weren't off the charts but they were really good i believe he yeah. threw 27 he, touchdowns he led them to the playoffs yeah. yeah 27 touchdown passes he threw seven interceptions had a fairly good uh, quarterback rating during that span of time uh, I believe he even threw for over 4,000 yards. I think he's finished, uh, I think, 2017 and 2018. Both of those seasons, he finished with a quarterback rating over 100 for the season. Three years in a row, he threw seven interceptions, only seven interceptions for the entire season. So I understand the appeal, 
And of course, Nate, as you already touched on, he had his best year the year that Frank Reich was uh, the last year that Frank Reich was offensive coordinator in Philadelphia, the, the year they went and won the Super Bowl. You know, so there's there's that appeal there. And there's two people inside the Indianapolis Colts organization that regardless of who else is there, I believe in wholeheartedly 100% of the time. They've earned that trust out of me as a, as a longtime Colts fan. Those guys are Frank Reich and Chris Ballard. I believe, first of all, that Frank Reich, whomever he works with, he's going to get the most out of them that is possible to be pulled out of them. He's going to get their potential, their fullest potential. He's done things, even with Jacoby, that 5-2 and two start that they had before Jacoby got hurt and a handful of other offensive weapons got hurt that year. Uh, that 5-2 and two start that we had in uh, 2019, Frank Reich was doing things with Jacoby that, that not a whole lot of people expected to happen. Jacoby even had a couple of really standout games, uh, uh, namely that first Houston Texans game where he, you know, popped off and just had a crazy, phenomenal game. You know, Frank Reich can work wonders. And with Carson Wentz's past success and what I believe he's still capable of doing, if I believe anybody can get him back to an MVP caliber uh, performance, Frank Reich can do that. Also, mm -hmm. Chris Ballard, I believe that he is going to get the job done the right way. If this happens... We're not going to have to throw the kitchen sink at the Eagles to get them. I don't believe the Eagles think they can actually get two first-round picks out of Carson Wentz. Not after they're the trying. Rest. They are trying. <laughs> they're trying. I have, I have a theory, which is actually a perfect segue into the last part of this segment. Um, they are trying to get for two first-round picks, but as we get closer to the start of the new league year, and as more and more reports begin to surface about the trade market quickly drying up for Carson Wentz, the Colts have the leverage here. I mean, the Eagles, what they did to Carson Wentz last year speaks volumes to teams. You know, actions speak louder than words. I, and I know it was Doug Peterson's decision, but Carson Wentz got benched. Carson Wentz lost faith in the organization. He lost faith in the coaching staff. He wasn't confident in the game plans and the play schemes that were being called up for him. That's why he was holding the, under the ball so long. He was he lacked confidence in his decision-making. He was placing the ball in bad areas. His mechanics took a turn for the worse. He lost faith in the organization, and even more so, he lost his, his desire to be there. And, you know, those two things right there are a recipe for disaster. But what the Eagles did to them showed that they don't even have the confidence that he's worth what they're asking for out of them. So why in the world would any other team want to do so? As a matter of fact, right before we hopped on this recording, I looked up some last-minute news for the Colts, and it has just been reported that the Colts have now reportedly offered the Eagles two second-round picks. They've been going back and forth. Uh, of course, Chris Ballard, he even confirmed that he's been reaching out to the Eagles in trade talks with Carson Wentz. Obviously, nothing's going down yet. Then report came in a couple days ago stating that the Colts are very interested in Carson Wentz, but if they're going to if they're going to give two first round picks, then they want more than Carson Wentz. They want a handful of other players, or they want a handful of other draft picks. Which does that not sound like Chris Ballard? Um, mm -hmm. You know, to acquire more draft stock or acquire players, the Colts are in desperate need for more power. At the tight end position, there's been links between the Colts and Hunter Henry out of Los Angeles with the Chargers, and there's been talks of Zach Ertz being linked uh, to the Colts as well. Um, there was also another player that wasn't mentioned in these reports that was being discussed specifically about being included on a trade. So my point behind all that is, and I'm rambling at this point, but my point is Chris Ballard 
knows what he's doing, and you need to have faith in the process. He's not going to throw the whole kitchen sink. Uh, and here's and this is a perfect segue. Uh, I told Nate uh, that uh, I, I wanted to. I felt like it would be good to go over what we thought was going to happen and what we want to happen. So here's what I think is going to go down. Chris Ballard's playing his cards right now. He, he's keeping he's playing his cards real close to the to the chest right now. He's waiting because he he can wait. I mean, if nothing else, um, he can fall back on the draft. That's how I feel like Chris Ballard's looking at this. I don't have to throw all of what I have to the Eagles for somebody who might not work out. I'm not going to I'm not going to put this team's entire future on the shoulders of a guy that I'm not even 100% sure is going to be what we want him to become. So as far as I'm concerned, being Chris Ballard, I just have to wait. And the closer we get to the start of the new league year and the more reports that come out of less and less teams being interested in the Eagles and interested in the Carson Wentz trade, the Colts literally hold all the cards. They literally hold all the leverage, and here's why. On the third day of the new league year, if the Eagles have not gotten out of Carson Wentz's contract by trading him, they'll have to pay him, I believe it's a $10 million bonus. They're not looking to pay him that because they know he doesn't want to be there, and they know he probably won't be the starter even if he does, even if he does stay there. So if they don't trade him, not only are they going to have to pay him $10 million extra million for this season— but they're also going to have the the world's most expensive bench warmer on their team uh, because <laughs> Carson Wentz, if he you know if he if he doesn't outright lose the starting job in Philadelphia, um, then he's just going to basically protest and show his disliking and refuse to play uh, and ride the bench uh, because of his bad attitude. So because of that, the Colts hold all the leverage, and I truly believe what I think is going to happen. Just because of the seriousness of the reports and, and the negotiations between the Colts and the Eagles, what I think is going to happen is the, the Colts will land Carson Wentz uh, probably right at the start of the new league year, which is, I believe, March 17th. They, uh, I believe the Eagles will agree to hand Carson Wentz over for, for probably, um, at, at most, it'd be the Colts' first round pick of this year and a second or third round pick. And then the Colts will, will receive um, a couple players slash or draft picks to accommodate. Cause the Colts are going to have to eat Carson Wentz's contract for the next two years, at least. So uh, because of that, I think at most the Colts will give away a first round pick and a second or third, and they will acquire either players or more draft capital. Uh, what I want to happen, and I'm going to hand the rest of the time over to Nate and then we will close what I want to happen, and I've been saying this for quite a while now, uh, especially since Matthew Stafford was confirmed to be traded to the Rams, what I want to happen. I want the Colts, and I want Chris Ballard to think long and hard at their options and look at who's in free agency. There's a certain backup quarterback in New Orleans who's currently a free agent. He played in 2019 for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, threw for over 5,000 yards, 33 touchdown passes, and 30 interceptions. His <laughs> name is Jameis Winston. I'm extremely intrigued by Jameis Winston, and I here's what I, I want the Colts to do. I want the Colts to sign Jameis Winston to a one-year deal. He was on a one-year deal with New Orleans. I want the Colts to sign him to a one-year deal. Um, you know, not you're not going to break the bank for Jameis Winston. It's either a prove-it deal or, at the very least, it's competition. Chris Ballard loves competition. 
Um, he, he wants every position on the field, including quarterback, to be competitive and the best player will play. That's how, that's how it goes down in Indianapolis. Bring in Jameis Winston for competition and, and a chance to start. Hold on to your draft capital. Hold on to your assets and throw it all at the draft. The Colts have done multiple trades with the Jets. And they're also in the market for the Miami Dolphins. The Miami Dolphins are sitting with the number, thir- with the number three pick in this year's draft. That's probably the most likely thing. Um, the Colts could very easily offer up two or three first-round picks to the Dolphins who are ready to win now. They have their quarterback. They're set there. They just want more draft capital to get those extra stars and get them over the hump. Offer them two or three first-round picks to move up to the third pick in the first round of this year's draft, which Chris Ballard has never done, by the way. And now you're looking at getting your future perennial starter. Um, assuming that Trevor Lawrence and and now Zach Wilson, who is being touted as the second-best quarterback in this class, uh, you'll still have the likes of, of uh, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, and Mac Jones to take a real close look at and make a decision on. And I've looked at film on all three of these quarterbacks. And, and I think any one of these quarterbacks could fit the Colts very nicely. I think Frank Reich um, could, could work with any one of those quarterbacks and get them to where we need them to be to get us over the hump. In the meantime, Jameis Winston, he's a veteran quarterback. He knows what he's doing. And if you eliminate the interceptions that he had in 2019, he's playing at an MVP caliber level and he probably gets the Buccaneers to a deep playoff run. Um, you know, you just got to cut down on those interceptions, and if any guy can do it, Frank Wright can do it, and Jameis Winston has the arm power um, to to really be a success somewhere if he can get those mistakes under control. That's what I want the Colts to do. I'm out. That's all I'm saying, Nate. What, what do you What do you got? What do you think the Colts are going to do, and what do you want the Colts to do? Well, it's very intriguing about you saying about Jameis Winston, and uh, you were talking about all those interceptions. Like everybody was saying the same thing about Philip Rivers. And with Philip Rivers coming to Indianapolis, um, all of 2020, everybody national media-wise was going, oh, he just needs to cut down on those interceptions. He, he needs to cut down on all those interceptions. But as a Colts fan, you're watching all the games, okay? Yes, he made some dumb interceptions. I can agree. But they wasn't as dumb as what they were when he was with the Chargers. His interception still was low compared to his previous years with the Chargers. So if Jameis Winston was to come to Indianapolis on a one-year deal, a very cheap deal, in fact, and somehow Frank Reich was able to bring down those interceptions and he still had that 5,000-yard throwing year and, you know, so many touchdowns, then Elijah, I would be celebrating because more than likely – Colts would definitely make a deep playoff run. Oh yeah, for in sure. my mind, that would solve the Colts' problem. If and and it's a risk, it's a huge risk. But if Jameis Winston can go there, put up similar numbers to 2019, and Frank Reich can help him limit those turnovers, as historically he has done with Andrew Luck, Jacoby Brissett, and Philip Rivers, all three of them improved. Philip Rivers had a second or third best quarterback rating or completion percentage, rather, of his entire career. The one yeah. he played with in Indianapolis. That's incredible. The, the dude played for 17 seasons, and Frank Reich ha- helped him achieve his second or third best completion percentage in his entire career. Yeah, and like you said, if you just sign Jameis Winston being a free agent, you still have all your draft picks, yeah. which is very, very 
very Chris Ballard like. He loves them picks. Yes. Everybody loves to refer to that phrase. I love them picks, and he should love those picks. I mean, you're picking at 21, uh, 54, then you're looking at 84, 117, 148, 180, uh, 211. So you're looking at seven picks in the draft, and Chris Ballard has done pretty good, you know, in his second and third round picks. First round picks, you could say a little bit iffy. So if he were to trade the first round pick, it'd be like a eh, okay. But two first round picks, that's a little too deep for uh, Carson Wentz. And you were talking about Jameis Winston uh, being a ri- risk. So would Carson Wentz. And if you were to do that with Carson Wentz, you more than likely lost a couple of picks. And also, if he doesn't do very well, you still lost those picks. And then you're stuck with a quarterback that you have to be stuck with for two more years, you know? So you just have absolutely no idea. Would you rather go with Jamin's Winston or would you rather go with Carson Wentz? Your your point was very intriguing. And if it somehow happens that way, that will be very cool. But um, I think, in my opinion, he'll stay in New Orleans because um, I believe Drew Brees is going to officially retire this year. And um, it's either going to be uh, Taysom Hill or... Jameis Winston fighting for the quarterback job with the New Orleans Saints. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, <clears throat> and what I think will happen, I completely agree with you. Chris Ballard's going to wait. The Colts have the upper hand. The only person they know that is coming for Carson Wentz, supposedly, is the Chicago Bears. And from what reports are saying, the Bears are becoming impatient with the Eagles because I guess they're doing so much negotiating that it's not going anywhere. And at some point, the Bears are just going to be like, okay, you know what? Fine. We'll just deal with what we got and we'll figure out something else out. So that's the only team that the Colts have to worry about. But I, I, I wouldn't even say worry about. I would just say that's the only team that we know of that, you know, is interested. But even the Bears know for what the Eagles are asking for, that it's too steep. So you just wait it out. You wait. And the more you wait, the more value for Jameis Winston's going to go, or not Jameis Winston, we've been talking about Jameis Winston for a bit, uh, Carson Wentz, you're going to lose some value. It's going to be no longer two second-round picks if you wait any longer. It might be just one second-round pick and maybe a fourth-rounder. Or if you wait even more, then it's like, okay, I'll give you a third-rounder and maybe a fourth. Like The more you wait, the less valuable Carson Wentz is going to seem. So either you're going to be stuck with them or you go ahead and give them to the Colts, who is obviously the most interested in bringing Carson Wentz in. So if we, I believe Colts will keep the 21st pick of the draft and either get rid of a second. I would rather have them get rid of a set, just uh, a third round pick maybe, but you know, got to be realistic here. Um, (laughs) But, but what Chris Ballard is going to do is say, okay, he is worth a second-round pick, so I'll give you that, and I'll either give you a fourth or f- fourth or fifth-round pick, and then if I am to give you another second-round pick, you need to include another player in that in this deal, which I would totally agree with. Get a tight end, get a defensive end, uh, get one of your defensive linemen, or uh, get one of their corners. Like their corners are pretty good, believe it or not. Like they can't stay healthy, but. I mean, hey, if, if he can stay healthy with the Colts, then it works out for us. But in any case, I think that's what will happen is that the Colts will offer a second and a fourth round pick to get Carson Wentz. 
and take those uh, take all that money away from them. What I would like to happen is uh, what everybody else has been talking about. Maybe it is more valuable as an Indianapolis Colts fan to just go ahead and get your quarterback of the future. Just go ahead and give two first-round picks to the um, Miami Dolphins or give it to the uh, to uh, uh, um, someone in the top five that doesn't really need a quarterback. Like, just something in that nature to where you still have your second-round picks, you still have your third and fourth, or if you choose to wait on your first-round pick and keep it, then you can just... Uh, Wait and see what happens, and if nobody comes along, and let's suppose you got Carson Wentz, okay, then you still have your 21st pick, and if there's still a lot of people that you like, but you'd rather gather more picks for Carson Wentz, then trade back, and then you get yourself an offensive tackle, which the Colts desperately need with Anthony Costanzo retiring. And then maybe with that additional pick of you moving back, you could definitely get a defensive end, which the Colts desperately need. That's why, to me, if someone was to say that, hey, if they get the quarterback, they're in as a Super Bowl contender. It's like, well, you got to calm down because the Colts have so many needs right now that we have absolutely no idea that who they're going to bring in is going to be able to be the same foundation as it has been the last couple of years, you know, that will lead us to go back into the playoffs and get closer to the Super Bowl. And so, uh, yeah, just go ahead, uh, move up if you can. If not, just trade back, get yourself a couple more picks, and go from there. That's just me personally. Yeah, and, you know, I I really think – what you said, what you think will happen with Carson Wentz, and and what both what you want to happen are, are both very realistic, and that is the kind of route that Chris Ballard would want to go. And it looks like based on reports here, that's what Chris Ballard is trying to do. Um, and my goodness, if, if think about it, Nate, and the upside is because I really believe the Eagles are just trying to get something out of Carson Wentz. They're trying to get the best that they can. That's why it's it's just classic negotiating. You start with a high price, and that way when the when the when the bidder talks you down a little bit, it's not quite as low as what it would have been had you started at a lower price. The Eagles know they're not going to get, especially as this trade market is is drying up, they know they're not going to get two first-round picks uh, for Carson Wentz. They know that. And as we get closer to the new league year, that's going to become more and more evident. So just looking at, at it as a hopeful Colts fan, Nate, on the optimistic side, just imagine – if Chris Beller can pull this off with like two second round picks, or like you said, a second round and a fourth round pick, um, and they acquire Carson Wentz, and he does work out, and Frank Reich gets him back to MVP shape, and Carson Wentz is happy again, and he's making the right reads, and he's doing the right things, and his mechanics get cleaned up a lot, and this dude leads us to a deep playoff run, or, or even dare I say, a Super Bowl run. Um, I think Chris Ballard's Hall of Fame. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just everything he's done over the last four years to top it off with this kind of a move in a year where so much needs done, and in a year when the Colts, this is the biggest offseason of Chris Ballard's general manager career. This is the biggest, single biggest offseason. Um, he has to get it right. He said in that in the postseason interview, 
He knows he has to get it right. He knows there's a lot riding on this. But as he also said, you don't just go out and sign the first decent quarterback you see and go, there you go, problem solved. We're going to the Super Bowl now. That's not how it works, especially not in the NFL. Chris Ballard is going to make a decision at quarterback this year. It's going to be a big decision, whether that's getting Carson Wentz um, on a budget or on a bargain, rather, which I believe is what will happen because as the Eagles get close and they still haven't traded Carson Wentz, he's not staying in Philadelphia. I can't say that enough. The, the Eagles don't want to mess with a quarterback or with a player that doesn't want to be there. Um, there have been reports that, that Carson Wentz is hard to coach. He's hard to work with. I believe some of that, but I also believe he lost faith in the system, and he was he's become extremely unhappy, similar to another situation going on right now in Texas, down there in Houston. Uh, <laughs> you know, like that does a lot to a quarterback's mentality, to a yeah. quarterback's mindset. Carson Wentz went out of there, and I believe he still has something. He still has something to show, and I believe Frank Wright can unlock that. Bottom line being, um, you know, Chris Ballard, if they can get him on a bargain, which is going to become easier and easier the closer we get to March 17th, and and he does work out, Chris, I mean, Chris Ballard's Hall of Fame GM. That's all I got to say about that. You can call mm-hmm. it a hot take, but I don't even really think it's a hot take at this point. Well, here's my question to you before we end this podcast. If the Colts were to keep the 21st pick of the draft – and let's pretend we got Carson Wentz. If we still got the 21st pick, what do you want the Colts to do on the 21st pick? Offensive tackle, 100%. Left tackle. Offensive tackle. Okay, okay. I was I was more going towards, uh, hey, if Kyle Pitts somehow made it to the 21st pick, I would pick Kyle Pitts. If you haven't watched his highlights, they, they remind you – of an Eric Ebron that can actually catch, okay? <laughs> like, I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but this kid is amazing. And the Colts have been needing a tight end forever, and I would prefer them to get a young tight end that they can grow, and obviously if he ends up working out, then we can just pay him and not have to worry about getting an older tight end that has been seasoned, and, you know, you got to waste money on him, and he might not even work out. And there's been a lot of questions about Trey bringing back uh, Trey Burton. I'm sorry, even with him being health uh, as healthy as he has been this year, Philip Rivers hasn't even thrown to him that much. I believe it was like 20-something times he's thrown to Trey Burton. That's not very good for me. It's like Frank Reich loves his tight ends, and he loves getting them involved. And if he somehow didn't get Trey Burton that involved when he was supposedly like an Eric Ebron, then something was wrong. So I'm sorry, Trey Burton. You were a good guy for for us for a year, but I think it's time for you to go. Let's bring in a young buck and uh, let's use it on the 21st pick. Yeah, and if not, then yes, take the offensive tackle. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I can't. I cannot agree more. Tight end is another huge need. I just, uh, me personally, whoever, whomever we get at quarterback this year, uh, we got to keep this offensive line elite, and that doesn't happen without a blindside protection without good blindside protection. So for me, I feel most comfortable. And I personally feel like that's why Chris Ballard is trying to hold on to the 21st pick with all that he, with all that he has within him. Um, yes. He, he knows the importance hey, of that position. Maybe next pod podcast, we'll talk about, you know, them talking about maybe putting Quentin Nelson or uh, Brad Smith over there. Yeah. And which is a possibility. And that's something we do need to touch on. But for now, 
Nate and I, we wanted, we talked about keeping this at 20 minutes. That did not happen. But you know what? That's what happens when two passionate Colts fans start talking about this wonderful team. So, you know, sorry, Nate, if I took up too much of your time. But, man, it's just good to be back, and I think we had a lot of catching up to do. Yeah, glad to be back, man. This is pretty exciting, and I can't wait for more. Yeah, absolutely. Let us know what you guys think of our takes, what your reactions were to the Super Bowl. What was your favorite performances of the Super Bowl, your favorite moments? Uh, let, let us know in uh, over on Twitter. If you haven't already, leave us a follow at GFI Podcast. Also, what do you think the Colts will do, and what do you want the Colts to do? Thank you all so much for listening. This has been Elijah and Nate with Go For It. We will see you on our next episode.